There's nothing better than like singing back uh, God's word to him. I love it. I love singing the Psalms. Uh, just for the record, before I begin, you should know that Nolan Arenado doubled in the bottom of the first. Lars Newbar scored, and we're up one to nothing right off the bat. You'll notice John Wagner's not here tonight, and that's because he's at that game, that rascal. So you guys can harass him next week for not taking us. Um, excited, excited to get going here this morning, or this evening. We are going to be continuing our series, Facing the Crowd. Who can tell me who we're talking about? Moses, Moses right? Well, we're going to talk about Moses some more. This is the man of God. This is part seven of our look at Moses. Now, if you guys will remember back, uh, I know it's been uh, a couple weeks now because we got to hear from our Camp David kids last week, which just for the record, can we give them a hand? That was pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, we were, you guys think I run overtime? They were like 30 minutes overtime. I mean, they had a lot to say about, about their experience getting to serve at camp and uh, really beautiful. But if you'll remember back where we left off, Moses was asking questions to God again. And once again, God responded much like Quill and he says, uh, I have spoken. Who do you think you're talking to here, bud? I, I've, I've got this uh, under control. And then there's this weird, unexpected pause and kind of an ironic twist. And we go through, uh, you know, from this moment where God's like, seriously, I'm God, and that's why this is all going to happen. It's going to happen like I say it's going to happen. Calm down, Moses. And then Moses goes through, and he goes painstakingly through this huge family tree. And I'm like, well, that's kind of a weird place in the midst of this story, but it really wasn't. It was Moses saying, look, it's me, this guy. Like, you, you know this family member and this family, and, and, and I'm this guy, and I'm this guy who, who actually God used to write this book, and I'm trying to tell you over and over again. I keep pointing out all my questions and all my doubts because I'm trying to point out that I didn't do this. What the rest of this story is about what God did. I'm a mess. My name's Moses. I have lots of questions about what God's asking me to do here. I'm just a, a regular dude who doesn't understand and everything that's about to happen. Don't fall into the trap where you're like, wow, look at that Moses. He's a great guy. Moses is saying, I'm not a great guy. I serve a great big God who did this. I want you to know I'm just a regular dude. Here's the family tree. You know we're all a bunch of knuckleheads. And look at what God did. All right, that is the point. And it's funny because Moses is the tool that God would use to write that. We talked a little bit about that. And it's, it's just, you know, usually when we show up, we're not like, hey, bro, what's up? It's nice to meet you. My name's Sean, and I'm terrible at backgammon. That's not how we don't. That's a really terrible analogy, but we don't go and show our weaknesses. Moses is saying, look, my name is Moses. I struggled with my faith. I did what God called me to do. I just want you to know I didn't do that. He did. All right. And he's going through great lengths. And then it ends where it began. Question time again. What is the deal, God? And uh, just to remind you where we left off, it was Exodus 6, 28 through 30. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, again, I, I have spoken, I am the Lord. 
You tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. And I talked about how big of a deal that was all itself. And Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? How's, how's he going to do that? And, and that's where we left off is, is Moses once again at the same place that he's been consistently, painstakingly through the entire first six chapters over and over and over again. Moses is saying, look, I, I didn't understand. I kept asking questions. It's not me. It's not me. It's, it's, it's God. We pick it up in Exodus chapter 7, verses 1 through 7. The Lord once again answering Moses' question. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. Now that's a big, he's saying, I made you like me, I made you like God to Pharaoh. And your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you. And your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of this land. But, here it is again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply the signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh's not going to listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them, Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now, we get a little marker. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. So once again, God identifies himself. And if, you, if we step into our, our cool little time machine here, and we go back in time, all right, a few chapters, right? Uh, Moses is asking these questions, and, and he, at the very beginning, if you'll remember, he asked two questions. One, he asked God who he is, and then his second question, if you'll remember, was who am I? It was a question that Moses, like, why is Pharaoh going to listen to me? It was a question of his authority. And God gave him the answer at that time, even though he's, here he is asking the same question. The answer was, you are exactly who I say you are, and you are the man I'm sending under my authority. And that's for, just in case you didn't know this, for everybody in the room, you are who God says you are. You're no more than that. And you're no less than that. And Moses was the same. And he says, okay, Moses, who do I say you are? This is who I say you are. You are going to be like a god to Pharaoh. You know, next slide. I am going to, I am going to, you are who I say you are, who I make you. I am going to lift you up above Pharaoh. That's who I say you are, Moses. 
Now, we talked about this Pharaoh guy, and we talked about his power, that he doesn't like the, the presidents that we have today where we can make fun of them and do, no, 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 you didn't do that. It, this is a big statement. God's saying, look, I'm, I'm going to raise you up, but, but I am going to harden Pharaoh's heart, and he is, he will continue. He is not going to listen to you. And then he says he's not going to listen. He's not going to listen. He's not going to listen no matter how many signs and what. And so I am going to do that they will eventually. I'm going to, I'm going to give them some judgments. I'm going to begin to pour my wrath out on these people. I'm going to, if they don't want to listen to the, the nice friendly signs, they're going to listen they're going to listen after some tough things begin to happen to the people. And then he makes this profound statement. God makes this profound statement. And it's only profound if you catch, again, we go back to our time machine to Exodus 5.2. That's right. You were on the right slide. If you'll remember, the very first time Moses goes in front of Pharaoh, Pharaoh's response to Moses. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go. I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. And God says, look, I am, I am going to pour out my wrath. I'm going to pour out my judgments on these people, and they will all know that I am the Lord. That is the promise that, that God has given. He's saying, I'm going to take that stone heart that I hardened, that I made hard, and guess what? I'm going to crumble that same heart. It's going to do. You guys are going to go. You will go, and you're going to watch this happen, Moses, because you are who I say you are, and this is exactly what you're going to do. It's a big statement from God. And my goodness, that big statement from Pharaoh, who is this Lord? I don't know him. God says, oh yeah, bud, you're going to know me. You're about to find out. So, once again, the Lord sent, and Moses and Aaron went. Exodus chapter 7, verses 8 through 13. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, prove yourself by working a miracle. So he's already making like a prophetic statement here. Moses, Pharaoh's going to look at you and say, prove yourself by making a miracle. Right? Then you say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it became a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. Once again, they, they get themselves in front of Pharaoh. They do what they're told, and that, that all plans out. And sure enough, uh, they went to Pharaoh. They did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. And then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers. And the magicians of Egypt also did the same thing by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. And still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And he would not listen to them. And then Moses reminds, as the Lord had said. Everything happened just as the Lord had said. So they go before Pharaoh. Miraculously, they get there. 
Apparently, Pharaoh does ask, well, show me how, how am I supposed to believe you? And so Aaron does just what he's supposed to do. He throws his staff down and it becomes a snake. Now, if you're walking around and some dude throws a staff down and it becomes a snake, he's probably going to get your attention. But Pharaoh goes about this a little day. So, oh, you got a guy that can throw his staff down and become a snake? I'll tell you what. I've got a guy, in fact, I've got a whole group of guys that can throw their staff down and it can become a snake. And he calls in his, his sorcerers and he calls in his guys, right? And you're like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And I, it's, it's a fascinating thing that it would be here, but what I want you to understand Ephesians 6, chapter 11, verse 12, this is what it says. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. In other words, there are things in this world. Yep, Moses was able to throw down his staff. There is witchcraft. Go talk to, you know, that, that missionary family is going to be here Friday and they're going to share some stuff. Ask them some questions about the voodoo stuff they see in Haiti. There are things that go bump in the night. There are people that can do things. Supernatural things. It's a, it, it exists in this world. There are things that go bump in the night. There are things outside of my understanding of the way the natural world works. And these guys were able to manipulate that thing. There are people who would say, oh man, I talked to, uh, I read my horoscope. And it was exactly true. You want me to tell you what the problem is with the horoscope? I don't care if it's right or wrong. If you put your trust in what that thing says, you are not putting your trust in God. And it's a funny thing, that thing, which is rooted our, our, in Egyptian zodiac. That, that all, this, all this stuff is rooted. You go back to all these different pagan religions. And that's where all that comes from, all the way back to Babylon. There are people that will say, call Miss Cleo. I, I don't know, the old people in the room understand and think that's funny. You guys don't know Miss Cleo. Or say, I'm going to go talk to the crystal ball. And maybe you get an answer. Maybe it's the answer. Maybe somebody knows something. Maybe there is a spirit, a demon. There's spiritual forces that are able to communicate with people. And maybe that sounds true, and maybe that sounds right. And the next thing you know, you're trusting that thing. You're not trusting the God. God does not say that stuff doesn't exist. He says, trust him. And then he also says, oh, yeah? You got your snakes? Well, uh, my snake's going to eat all of them. Because ultimately, rock beats scissors. You know that, right? God is in control over all of that. He trumps it all. Why do I trust? Well, that's why I'll trust God. You know, I, I, I've made no bones about the household I grew up in, and my mom was into all kinds of crazy stuff. And guess what? All that crazy stuff, it wasn't just like, oh, it's Harry Potter. No, no, no. It was crazy stuff. It was real stuff. Scary stuff, man. Really scary stuff. 
It was real, though. I just want you to understand. It wasn't that that was just some made-up, uh, you know, like she had schizophrenia. No, no, no. That was real stuff. But God is in control. I don't have to worry about that stuff. I got the boss. I got the, I got the boss. And that kind of poses, when you think through it, 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 you get the answer. Ephesians 6, 10 and 13. So this is what's kind of in front. Look. Finally, so this is our instructions. In other words, God says, hey, there's stuff out there. Moses, there's stuff out there. There is stuff. Don't think there's not stuff. In our country, in our culture, we don't think there's stuff. You go to the third world and you go to other places, they, they will, you will figure out real fast there's stuff. They, they, they're not so uh, desensitized that they're oblivious to the stuff. And you'll find out. You go, you, you'll find out, and you'll be a little freaked out. There's stuff, okay? But this is what God says. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Uh, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. In other words, my strength and against that kind of thing that actually exists in the real, real, real world that we live in is God. I was talking to Carter. I, I, I won't even go there. But it's the strength, our authority. It isn't my authority. I don't have any authority at all. God has authority, though. He's the boss, and that's what he's making clear. But if you think about that, there may there just I can, I can see, I can feel the wheels turning in this room. Wait a minute. So God, uh, there's, 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 there is this wicked power is what you're saying, Sean, and God's stronger than that power. But wait a minute then. If God's so strong and God's all-powerful, then... Uh, why do those evil powers even exist? Why is that even like that? Couldn't God have done something different? That's a fair enough question. Go to Romans chapter 9, verse 22 through 24. This is what it says. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience, vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called. People walk through life. Why do I exist? Why do I exist? I want to know the answer. I want to know why I exist. Let me tell you why you exist. And I don't care who you are. You exist to glorify God. Every single living thing exists to glorify God. Even Kim Jong-un, Vladimir Putin exists to glorify God. And God will be glorified. Understand that. Now, God can be glorified when he exhibits his mercy and his grace. I see God's mercy and his grace in me in that he sent his son to die for my sins, to set me free, to grant me eternal life, to adopt me in his family as his son. I, God is, I see the glory of God's mercy. When I look to the cross, we talked about it this weekend, I can see God's justice at the cross but I can also see God's justice somewhere else. And that is, when I see his wrath, 
his justice poured out on those who would reject his son. And those people, the Adolf Hitlers, the Vladimir Putins, guess what? They exist to glorify God too, and they will glorify God on the day of judgment. When God's wrath and his power are poured out, just like we see here in Romans 9, they're going to glorify God too. Everybody's going to exist to glorify God. Everybody in this room, you're going to glorify God whether you like it or not. Which way do you want to go? I'd like to go thinking, thank you, Lord Jesus. And on the day when he comes back, I'm, I told you, <laughs> he's here. I do not want to be the guy that says, oh, crap. He's here. That guy's going to glorify God too, but it's going to look a whole lot different. Why does evil exist? Well, God's, God's glory is going to be revealed. He's going to be revealed as merciful. He's going to be revealed as just. He is certainly going to be revealed as all-powerful. And, and yep, when terrible things happen in this world, mark my words, God doesn't miss a one. And apart from the payment that was paid by Jesus Christ, every single one of those things are paid for. Just, it'll happen. So, that's it. This week, short and sweet, because I couldn't go any further without blowing this thing up. I know, right? 7.30. Now, we're not quite done. We got a little bit more to go, but it is. It is. You guys are like, are you okay? Are you, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. So, this week, all right, I want you to get this. I want you to grab a hold of this. You guys, look, that question, why does evil exist? It's the question. You know that, right? When you go out and you go to your school and somebody says, how in the world can you believe in a God when you look at this? What they're really saying is, how can God exist? How can there be a good God and there's evil in this world? There's an answer for that. There is an answer. It's not a nice answer. Not everybody's going to like that answer, but by golly, that's an answer, and it's true. So what does Moses' story tell me about God? A, once again, he calls, equips, and is a source of power and authority for those he's called. Moses, you're going to go to Pharaoh. You're my man. I made you like a god to Pharaoh. You go on. You are who I say you are. God is in control. He has absolutely authority over his creation. He does. He could say it. It, it. Who's going to argue with God? No one. God has the authority to make promises and the power to fulfill him. Hey, you're going to go. You're going to do this. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart and he's not going to listen. But don't worry. My wrath's going to get poured out and they're going to know. He's a little smarty, smarty pants, a little, who's this God? I don't know. Yeah, he's, they're going to know who God is. You ever talk back to your parents and then they, they, they get you good? Yeah, he's, he, you're about to get got good. All right. God's plan can be confusing and different than my plan. In other words, my plan, if I'm Moses, is I go talk to Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, you know what? You guys have been so great. I want you to go ahead and, 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 and go on to your, to your home here. Let me, let me give you a, a, a golden chariot. Thanks. And that's how the end of the story is. It's all, you know, the sun comes out, the flowers bloom, there's a rainbows and unicorns. It's great. Um, that's not God's plan for Moses. He says, look, I'm, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. He's not just going to let you go. He's not just going to let you go. That's not what it's going to look like. 
His plan's different. And while uh, uh, there may be other forces, I'm serious. I, look, I've heard all kinds of things. Ouija boards. All, all, there's, just, there's tons of junk. That is not for you, Christian. Do you hear me? That is not for you. I could give you verse after verse after verse. I could talk to you about a time when a, a, a pretty pagan uh, country all wrapped up in witchcraft and sorcery burned millions of dollars in today's worth of books because they were confronted with the gospel and God was calling them to something else. That is not for you. Our faith is in God. It does not mean that there, though, is not powers. But God's power is over all of that. He supersedes everything. There is no power greater than him, which means all things. All things, even the evil things of this world, exist to bring glory to him. There is nothing, there is no one. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord the most hardcore atheist that says he hates God and doesn't believe and makes fun of you, one day his knee will bend, her knee will bend, and they will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if they have not surrendered, if they have not answered that call, they will glorify God as they head off to eternal separation and condemnation because they refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But even then, as his justice and wrath is poured out, they will be glorifying God one way or another. So what's the point? Why does that any of that matter to me? Well, again, I can trust God in His plan no matter the circumstances and no matter my place in those circumstances. That's a really good thing to know because not all your circumstances are going to be good. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have days. Moses is about to have some days. I know we've kind of picked on Moses. It, I say we picked. Mo, we didn't pick. Moses picked on Moses to make sure he points out all these questions and all these times that he struggled with his faith. I promise you by the end of this story, Moses is a total different dude. He ain't questioning nobody. All right? You're about to see some amazing things happen. All right, you really, really are. But understand, in the middle of these circumstances, that wasn't an easy thing for Moses, but Moses could trust. Joseph, again, thrown in prison, all that stuff. Guess what? He could trust. The apostles, Stephen, stoned. I don't mean he got high. I mean they took big old rocks and they killed him for, for proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. Tough circumstances, whatever. He could trust God even in those circumstances. And Jesus Christ himself looked down, opened the doorway to heaven and said, Stephen, I see you, bud. I got your back. Every one of those apostles, John, John, you know, wrote Revelation, wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, little John. He wrote all the Johns, all right? That guy, you understand, he was dipped alive in boiling oil and then abandoned on an island, exiled. For the name of Jesus Christ. And guess what? Even in those circumstances, he could trust God in his plan. And God would use him to write the book of Revelation and give us this incredible vision of heaven in the future. No matter what the circumstances are in my life, 
Good, bad, in between, seems like everything's falling apart. I can trust God in the middle of everything. God is faithful to carry out the plans he has for our lives now and the lives yet to come. So that's great that he takes care of me here, but understand, Jesus Christ says, I have gone to prepare a place for you. And I, if I've gone to prepare a place, I'm coming back for you. I got something for you. That's your reward. Uh, don't let nobody fool you. It's not my best life now. That's a crock. If that is it, that is the worst deal in the world. My best life is on the other side in the presence of Jesus Christ for the rest of my, for, for all of eternity. Can't even begin to wrap my mind around it. That's, that's what I'm looking forward to. This, this is great, and God does some great things. Got to go on a vacation this last week and spend some great time with my kids. Had an awesome time, man. It ain't even a, what's on the other side, what we're waiting for, when I get all my kids and all my family back again for eternity in the presence of Jesus Christ, boy, I really can't wait for that. That's really going to be good. I hope you're all there with me. God knows everything that's going to happen, every choice we will ever make. Understand that. You're not fooling him. Oh, what if I want to go left instead of right? Well, dummy, he knows you're going to do that. All right, get over it. He knows everything, every circumstance, everything that is, he is, he is ahead of us. All right, so he sees what's coming. He is behind us. He knows everything that's behind. And as far as that goes, every person, especially every mature Christian in this room right now who's been walking with the Lord for a minute, and some of you have already figured it out even at a young age, you can look backwards and you can say, oh, I see what you did there, God. I see you. I didn't see it then, but I see you now. He's been behind. You've been working a long time before I caught on to it. Lord, I see you. He is behind us, and man, Maybe most important of all, he is with us every single moment of our life. There is no place I can go, no thing I can go through that the Lord Jesus Christ isn't right here with me right now. And with us, and he's in the moment, he's ordering our steps just like he's ordering Moses' steps to accomplish his will in our lives. Every single person. He didn't miss even one of you. If you think, oh, nobody sees me, he sees you. He, he ain't missed one. He never goes to sleep. He's never failing the job. He's not like, you know, uh, whatever. I try to be a pretty good dad, but I'm not a perfect dad. He is, though. He's perfect. He never drops the ball. He never fails. Not one time. Perfect, clean record with us. Every single moment of every single day, always working stuff for good, even in the hard times. We can turn to God with our questions, our doubts, and our fears. He doesn't turn away from us. There's plenty of people that if I walk up and I'm like, man, if I, if I just kept walking up to them, man, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what, you know, eventually they'd be like, all right, okay, you don't know what I'm doing. See, you know, that's not him. That's not him. He never turns away. He wasn't scared of Moses' questions, and he ain't scared of yours. He just wants your attention. You hear me? It's okay to ask him. Lord, I don't understand. Good, I tell him that all the time. It's okay. He, he isn't mad at me. No, I don't understand because I'm not him. I don't understand everything. He ain't scared of that. Moses didn't understand that. And that's okay. God says, that's all right. You just come a little closer, Moses. Don't worry. You don't have to understand. You just got to come, keep, keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. I got a plan. You'll see. It'll all work out. And Moses eventually looked back and said, holy cow, look at what he did. Probably didn't say holy cow. We can trust God to accomplish his will in our lives. And even in the face of challenges, to trust, again, the promise you notice I say this promise a lot? Look, if I was a young person, if I could go back to me, okay, in my life in high school, 
And if I could tell myself one thing, if that's all I got, Sean, you can only say, go back in time, and you could tell little old Sean one thing. This is the thing. This is the thing. I tell him to give his heart to Jesus, and I tell him, listen, listen. I don't care what happened. I don't care what they did to you when you were little. I don't care what you're going through right now. Listen to me. God is working all things. I don't care what it looks like. He is working all things for good for those called according to his purpose. I would tell me that. Because if you'll grab hold of that promise, I am, listen, he, he says all things. And when God says he's working all things for good, he really means all things. There's nothing. He's not excluding a thing. And he has authority to make that promise, and he means everything. It will all work for good. There is, which means... As a byproduct, if God's working all things for good, well, then, my goodness, there is purpose in everything. That doesn't mean I can't say why, God. I don't get it. That ain't it. I, I'm going to have lots of whys. Trust me, I got a laundry list of whys. I don't understand. But I do know that what he says is true. He's working all things for good, and there is purpose for every single thing. There's no coincidences. There's no, no, oh, crap, I didn't see that coming. None of that. He's working all things. And so when I'm going through life and things don't seem to be going my way, I remember these things. These things. And I can rest on those promises no matter what. I love it. So I'm going to pray. I don't have uh, questions typed out. Small group leaders, you guys got this. You got this. Now, just so you guys are aware, the leaders and I, we have been making plans. <laughs> all right. And next, next week, all right, Miss Becky will be going around. If she hasn't talked to you yet, she will be. Uh, she's updating names in the system and stuff like that. But when you come next week, the, the cauldron, you know, you got tazzed, is going to be sitting on a table in the lobby. And right next to it is going to be a bunch of pieces of paper. And a pen. When you come next week, I want you to put your name in that bucket. All right? We're going to do a little something different next week for small groups. All right? And I, I, I want everybody, you put your name in the bucket. If you don't put your name in the bucket, it's really going to be obvious. So put your name in the bucket. All right? Uh, don't, don't buck against the system here. This will be cool, and we'll all uh, grow closer together uh, over the course of, of this little experiment. I am certain of it. So... That's it for this week. Let's have some small groups. And it's not, that's still 20 minutes. I mean, come on. That's, that's pretty good. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your love and your mercy and your grace. Lord, thank you for the assurance that no matter what we see, and we see all kinds of stuff in this world, we, we get to see uh, in a way that no other generation in history has been able to see. We can know the bad things that are happening in our backyard by looking at the Ring doorbell on app on our phone. We can literally see it, and we can know all the bad things that are happening on the other side of the globe. In any given second, we can see it all, Lord. And so, it is great news. It is good news. It is the best possible news with everything that we get inundated with. All these things, all these images, all these thoughts, all these philosophies that fly at us every single day.
They could beat us down if we didn't have the promise. The promise from the only person, the only Lord, the, the, the only real God that actually has the authority to say, hey, relax. I am working all things for good. And it's okay if you got a question or you, you got a concern. Just, just bring that to me. Cast your anxieties on me. I'll trade it for some peace. I got some peace for you. It's okay. Bring me your questions. Just come a little closer. Just turn your attention on me. Just, just keep asking. Keep trusting. Keep pushing because I promise I am working all things for good for each and every person that I've called. And Lord, there is a purpose for each and every person, for each and everything, for each and every incident. There is nothing outside, nothing outside of its purpose to bring glory to you, whatever that looks like, Lord. And may for each and every person in this room, may we do that as we celebrate in Thanksgiving the good things you have done in our lives and in forgiving us and, and in bringing us to your son, calling us home to you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.